What's going on, guys? Welcome to the first episode of Volition. This is Josh Wade, and I am the guy that's going to be asking questions to the person that you all actually came here to listen to. But before we get into that, I just want to tell you a little bit about why I decided to start this podcast to begin with. Um, the reason I decided to start it is because growing up, like my entire life, I have been surrounded by just absolute legends. Every single one of these people are people that if you know them, you look up to them. They're, they've done incredible things and they just continue to be amazing people. Um, the number one legend in my life, obviously, is my beautiful wife, Sydney. If you know her, you know that she just has a heart of gold and she's actually what gave me the motivation to come up with the slogan because when she saw me, she thought, oh, this poor guy, if no one wants him, I guess, why not me? But honestly, she's the reason why I have so much confidence and why I do what I do every day. Um, And then if you know my parents, Eric and Amanda Wade, you know that they're amazing people. They both played college basketball, and I think that started... A trend in my family but I'll get into that a little bit my brother I don't think I have to introduce my brother um, I'm sure a lot of you know Jesse Wade but I'm gonna introduce him anyways cuz he's an absolute dog um, he was mr. basketball for the state of Utah he holds the record for the most three-pointers for high school basketball he has a key to the city of Kaysville he played college basketball for Gonzaga University and BYU And if you didn't know, but happy Jesse Wade Day a few days ago, April 10th. (laughs) And then my sister, she scored the game-winning goal for the state championship in high school. She played on the national team growing up. And last year, she took BYU women's soccer team to the national championship. And I guarantee you this year, they're going to win it all. My young sister, Ellie, um... In elementary, we both made it to like the final 10 or something in our school's spelling bee. And I am sad to say that she got farther than I did. She didn't, I don't think she won, but she did get farther than me. (laughs) But she's currently serving her mission in the Netherlands right now. And you heard it here first, but she will be a model or something. And then my youngest sister, Kayla, honestly, if you've ever had her food, you know she can cook. But not only that, just barely for her high school team, she scored the game-winning goal to win the state championship as well. And then there's me. And I was that kid in high school that spent all my money on shoes. (laughs) I think I did that to cover up my lack of state championship game winners in my high school gym banners. But (laughs) when I was serving my mission, I came across this quote that really kick-started this whole idea, this whole mindset change that I've had. It's by M. Russell Ballard, and he says, I am so thoroughly convinced that if we don't set goals in our life and learn how to master the techniques of living to reach our goals, we can reach a ripe old age and look back on our life only to see that we reached but a small part of our full potential. I'll tell you this, when I read that on my mission, it scared the crap out of me. It made me realize that This life is incredible and we have so many opportunities around us to just grow and become our better self. And my greatest fear is looking back and realizing that I didn't even get close to reaching that. 
And so that's really what made me want to start helping everybody switch their thinking and to start actually seeing the potential that God wants us all to live up to. Because we all have potential. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. All you really got to do is pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to you. And the fact that you're somewhere listening to me right now is proof that that actually works because I somehow figured out how to do a podcast. I don't know if you knew this, but starting a podcast is a lot harder than you think. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. So I'm sorry if it's a little bumpy for the first little bit. Um, But I knew that the only way I could convince people to come listen to me was to ask some absolute legends to come on the show. So as long as they keep coming, maybe you will too. I knew I needed to start off the show with a bang, and that's why I've asked someone that I haven't known for honestly like a super long time, but he has had a huge effect on me just during this short little time that we've known each other. Um, Somehow, I convinced the guy that started his own lawn care company when he was just 13 and sold it for $25,000 to come speak with me on the show, but he was the 2020 rookie of the year, 2021 sophomore of the year. And in 2022, so just this last year, he was the second rep in the entire company for Vivint. And then him and his wife, Hannah, they just recently made a super cute baby named Hayes. So this guy's a beast. Huge thanks to my guinea pig, Jaden Howell, for being here with us today. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, so, uh, it's an honor to be on here. Yeah, Happy to be your guinea pig. <laughs> so obviously, going through that list, there's a ton of stuff on there. Like, you are a beast. And I just want to start off by talking about the beginning, right? So it's not like a dude like you just comes out, starts throwing down with Vivint. It's obviously been something that you've been working on your whole life, right? And so I just want to start off with that first thing. When you're 13, you started your lawn business. I want to hear a little bit more about that. How did that get started? Yeah, so I think I owe my parents a ton because they raised me really really well sometimes I'm like I don't even know how they they did that because my parents you know truth be told I mean they've done really well they uh I didn't by any means grow up you know I hear a lot you hear a lot of these podcasts I grew up with nothing and you know now they're multi-millionaires or whatever it is but I actually grew up with parents that did my dad does very well he's a big-time entrepreneur real estate and private equity stuff like that so somehow they instilled in me a work ethic very young um my cousin owned a lawn care business, and so I, he was always kind of like a role model to me. And I remember when I was, uh, I think it was like 12 or 13, I wanted to start my own little lawn care business. I wanted to start making money. Yeah, that's dope. I saw him working all the time, and I wanted to be working. And um, So I actually got my mom to drive me around to my lawns when I was younger. <laughs> and I had like, started out with like, you know, two or three lawns and worked my way up to like 10 lawns. And, um, I think that's kind of where a little bit of the salesmanship started was, you know, at 13 years old, you know, asking your parents, friends or your neighbors like, hey, can I mow your lawn for this company would do it for this much? I'll do it for half. You know what I mean? And I was probably breaking even. I probably wasn't even making any money, to be honest. But my parents were cool and they, you know, hooked it up with the gas and stuff. And they hooked, they got me started, you know, to where I could get, get kind of kind of things rolling and then. Slowly as I got older, you know, I got my driver's license. In fact, I had my two cousins. One was like 16 and one was like 17. And I was actually paying them. They were my employees. 
and I was like 14 because I couldn't drive, so they would drive me around, and one would weed whack, one would mow the lawn, and um, it was cool. It was super cool, and then like I got my license, and then things grew, and I hired um, you know two employees because I played football as well. So going into going into school, trying to maintain 40 lawns a week was tough because I played <laughs> football. So I actually had a crew running um, running the lawn care business while I was playing football in the um, okay. in, in August. But uh, yeah, we grew it and. You know, we started actually knocking doors like, hey, we just did your neighbor's lawn across the street. And I actually bought like a super nice mower. It's called a walker. And a walker mower is like, they're like, I think now they're like 16, 17 grand brand oh, new. Geez. And I bought one used at like 16 years old for like eight grand or something like that. And to Same. me, that was a ton of money. Yeah. Um, still is a ton of money. Yeah. And so I ended up getting one. And I would go show the neighbors, like, look at your look at your neighbor's lawn. You see how it's, like, got stripes and looks really, really good. <laughs> and I'd hype them up on it. You know how you're, you see how their, you know, their uh, sidewalks are all edged and clean and how there's no grass on the sidewalk after and all the, you know, all the edges are all super clean and pristine. And I would just type it up, and then I'd, like, I'd do your first lawn, your first mow for free, and then the next one would be 50 bucks, 50 bucks a week. And I started getting lawns. It was pretty cool. And then, you know, I slowly getting, I slowly got into a little bit of landscaping and then a little bit of fertilizer. And, shoot, there was times where I had, when I was 16 years old, I was making good money for a 16-year-old, like four or five grand a month. Jeez. So it was pretty cool. Um, it just taught me how to, you know, make money, manage money. There was a lot of adversity, like when you sure. mow lawns and stuff. When it rains, you can't mow, so if... Yeah. You miss one day, it stacks up the next day. So it taught me responsibility for sure. And it taught me when things are hard, you, you can't just quit yeah. because people's lawns still you get mowed and people are expecting you to come mow their lawn. And people have parties and events and stuff and they need their lawn mowed at a certain time and need it to look good. So it was just, it was a cool experience. And then when I was 16 going on 17, my senior year, I, uh, I wanted to sell the whole thing and just because I wanted to get out of it, I was planning on going on a mission, so I knew I needed to do something with it, and I ended up selling it to a guy that had a pretty big lawn care business. I sold him everything for like 20, 25 grand or something like that. That's crazy. So when I saw that hit my account, it was pretty sick. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> um, it was super cool, and then um, gradually after that, I wanted to obviously keep making money, and I ended up going into sod. So I think my neighbor actually owns Idaho sod, and... I wanted to uh, to take full advantage, and so he, we talked about the opportunity, and you know we'd install in Alpine, Wyoming, all the way to Old Falls, and it was crazy. Like it was a lot of work, but I, you know, was was making really really good money for a um, a seventeen year old. I always had this mindset. It was weird. I saw my dad and how much financial freedom he had, and how he never had a boss, mm -hmm. and I never wanted to have a boss <laughs> ever. I don't think I've ever I've never worked for somebody. Well, actually, one time. We can get into that a little later. <laughs> I it only lasted like three weeks because I realized how much money he was making because of my work. So I couldn't That's handle dope. it. Um, but uh, yeah, I started the sod company and then um, started doing really, really well. And then I handed it off to my brother and my best friend to kind of run it while I went on my mission. And they popped off. That's when awesome. I was on my mission and it got way bigger. And um, but yeah, so that, that. That, that's kind of that. It was super cool. It taught me work ethic it taught me responsibility it taught me how to overcome adversity it taught me salesmanship because i was selling 
and it also taught me how to work with customers. Yeah. Like, uh, as a young kid, it taught me how to uh, communicate with adults. Super, yeah. Super good. And, you know, it felt good. It was it was super satisfying to, like, know that my parents had money. However, like, they didn't give me anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to go work for it. So, um, I think I owe a lot of my uh, success now to my early years of, yeah. of working and putting in the work then. I agree. I love that you started off very blessed. Um, but the part that I want to dissect about that is there's a lot of people that might have successful parents, but that because they have successful parents, they're just given a lot of things. But that's clearly not the case with you. And so at the beginning when you started doing these lawns, like you were obviously the one mowing these lawns. No, right? for sure. You were the one knocking on doors, asking your neighbors if you could mow their lawn, telling them all about the product. It wasn't your dad. It wasn't your mom. You no. were the one that went out and, and did that, right? No, for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, for some, I saw my cousin and I look up, I still look up to him a lot. He's like one of my best friends and I saw him doing it and I wanted to be just like him. So mm-hmm. I almost copied what he was doing on a whole, I mean, he did 150 lawns. He, they were big, but I wanted to be like him. And, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, my parents never gave me any handouts. I mean, you know, they'd take us on trips and we had fun. Mm-hmm. I, had to have, yeah. I had an amazing parents, but like they never just, if I want to buy a truck, okay, well, you're going to pay for half. Yep. So whatever truck you want to get, you're going to have to go with half of it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. my dad went into big detail. He had, he was one of the guys that's, that's you know, a self-made millionaire that did not have anything growing up. Mm-hmm. And he would always tell us like, hey, I didn't have this growing up. You should be super grateful, you know? And then I just kind of started realizing like, oh, well, I have all this and we have this house because my dad's worked hard. Like I want to, I want to give this to my kids and I want to be able to, take my my family to Hawaii a week in advance like hey let's just go job burning and go and not have to worry about money not worry about anything like just the fact that you know we have the means to to do it whenever we want or to be able to give back as well you know you hear Casey Ball and all these guys talking about abundance and um, being super abundant and giving and I saw my dad growing up I saw my dad growing up you know help people out, but not tell anyone about it. Like mm-hmm. nobody knew half the stuff that he did for other families or or people on our ward. Um, but I always wanted to be able to do that. But I knew um, I wouldn't be able to do that without working hard and being successful and um, being financial, like financially free. Yeah. So I don't know, I, I think I owe a lot to what I witnessed as a kid um, also. I. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, that taught me for sure. I love that. Like your whole purpose, your drive is to give back, to help other people. And yeah. Obviously, you talk a lot about your family. I know that that plays a huge part in wanting to be financially free, wanting to be able to do what you can to spend that time with, you know, you now have a baby. Yeah. So that's probably a huge reason why you do what you do, right? No, for sure. I but, mean, my wife and my, my baby are everything, and you just want to give them the world. Yeah. You don't want to spoil them too much. <laughs> That's one thing I worry about is obviously we've got off on the right start and have a little bit of had a, have had a little bit of success and it's like how much is too much? <laughs> how much do you want to give the kid? How much? He gets spoiled pretty hard right now. But we're going to try to cut back a little bit when he's a little older and understand. But that's awesome. Yeah. So I think talking about that it shows a lot about why you are the way that you are. Right. Well, when I first met you, the first thing you notice is your demeanor, the way that you carry yourself. So last summer was my first summer, right? So Jaden did this FaceTime call with us. And one thing that I remember from that call was 
the way that you carried yourself, it was just confidence. Appreciate like, that. You went, a, you, you went through your pitch, you went through like the way that you were closing customers and it didn't even matter what you said, it was all about how you said it. You said it with so much confidence that it was like, if they didn't go through with it, like they were crazy, Yeah, they were dumb. Like that's the thing that I wanna talk about the most today is Jane Howe's confidence. How did you start gaining your confidence? Has that always been there? Have you always been the confident Jane Howe that everyone knows? Mm, it's a hard question to answer. I don't know. Confidence comes with practice and experience, right? Mm. I think, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. No, no. But what I've done is everything I feel like I do, I, I, I do 100%. If I'm playing basketball, like, dude, when I was in high school, I, I loved basketball. Loved it. I would go to the gym, I'd go to the, so I was lucky because I had my house right here and the church right here, I could walk. Like, not even kidding, within a, within 40 yards of my house. So we actually made this gate from our backyard to go through the back of the church to get into the parking lot. Dude, I, would, I was there every day. I'd go at 6 a.m. by myself, with or without my dad, and I would just, you know, put my headphones in and just pretend that I was freaking MJ, bro, <laughs> you know? But I, I would put in work, like I watched motivational movies of Kobe Bryant. Like, I genuinely thought I was going to go to the NBA. <laughs> like I did, and then I realized you have to be, uh, not me, <laughs> be a lot taller and uh, a lot more God-gifted and um, work a little harder. But it was football, you know, I was working really, really hard on football, right? When it was, uh, and then when it came to Vivint, it was like, I'm here, I don't have a plan B, I'm giving everything I got, and they're not, not, not looking back. I've seen what it's done for Todd's life. I've seen what it's done for um, Casey, Bob, Odie Gardner. I mean, there's <laughs> probably over 500 examples. <laughs> I've seen what it's done for Elliot, and I was like, I want to be like them and do what they've done. Um, and rather than using my hands, right, like manual labor, mm -hmm. like I can use my talent. Like I'm pretty good at talking to people. Yeah. And so I gave it 100%. So I guess the confidence comes from whatever I've done, I've given it 100%. So like when I was playing basketball, I had confidence because I was in the gym, you know, I've been in the gym 10 hours that week, practicing my shot or working on my, you know, my left hand or my finish or my crossover. So it's like, when it came to, it was like breathing. It wasn't really, I had to think about it. Mm -hmm. It's because all the practice I put in. So what I've noticed is there's a lot of guys at, at Vivint, and I'm mm -hmm. sure you can relate that, that want to be a Josh Wade or want to be a Jaden Howell or want to be a Tristan Pears, but they're not doing what we're doing. Yeah. Right, and that might sound a little arrogant, but I think me and you both know that the top guys at Vivian or the top guys in whatever industry it is are putting in insane amount of work. Therefore, when it's time to when it's game time, mm -hmm. like they're executing, and they're executing because they're confident. Like if I told you to say the ABCs right now, you could hundred percent could, <laughs> yeah. right? Because you you've, you've practiced it your whole life. You did it your whole life. You've been taught how to uh, count the ABCs. Now if I said do in Portuguese, you'd be like, I have zero confidence in doing yeah, that, right? No idea. It's because you don't you didn't practice it and you don't know it. But if you said, hey, go learn it Portuguese, I'll give you two weeks, and you put a hundred percent for the next two weeks, then you'd be able to do it. I love that. So, but it's confidence. Like people that don't know the pitch don't so have confidence good. on the doors. People that have confidence, uh, people that practice. Blake Barchi is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. So, those of you guys that know Blake Barchi and you know Blake, like the dude is just an animal. Um, Blake was super, super coachable. Like, 
Blake's a very confident person, but he's also very, very approachable. So I would tell the kid, like, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. And he'd be like, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. And he would do, he would just mimic me. And But the thing about Blake is, like, you'd have guys that were, like, completely, like, struggling really, really bad. But, dude, Blake would just pound me with questions. I mean, Blake, if you go look at my phone right now, Blake calls me more than anyone, including <laughs> my wife. Like, he calls me more than anyone. But, he, dude, he just asked me tons of questions. Um, he's seen what I've done. He's liked what I've done, and he wants to kind of replicate it. And but the dude, what I'm trying to say is he's practiced his pitch so many times. I can ask his wife too. Like she told me, like yeah, we'll practice together. And it gets uh-huh. annoying because um, he always that. asks me like, babe, hey, hear this. Tell me what you think. <laughs> Give me some objections, right? And but the thing is, like he came out and he balled out. He was a top rookie in the region, number like three in the company. But I know for a fact when he's on the door, he doesn't have to think about what he's saying. He just knows how to say it because he's put in the effort, and he didn't put in you know half effort. It was like he was putting a lot more time. And I can promise you he was putting in more time than probably any other rookie in the region, and that's why he was the top rookie. Like, like, when you put an effort, like God responds to effort, the world or whatever you believe in responds to effort. When you Mm -hmm. put an effort, I think you're you're blessed with the gift to have confidence. I love that. In my opinion. I love that. I want to go back and repeat exactly what you said. Jane said, confidence comes with practice and experience. And I think that's so important because like you said, we, we see a lot of people in this industry, right? There's a lot of people knocking doors and the successful people are the ones that are just finally going to shut up, yeah. stop making excuses and go out and do it, right? 100%. It's all about experience. It's all about just getting over your, your fears, your insecurities. Yeah, it sucks, right? Going out, knocking doors, 100%. getting rejected, getting cussed out, right? It's not, it's not like it's the funnest thing in the world but you can come to love it as you just experience it. Blake Barchi, love the guy. He is successful in this because he doesn't make excuses. You know, I, Matt Richardson, I love the guy. He did 40 in a week. Um, yeah, he's nuts. He's crazy. One thing that he said that I loved, um, we were just on a blitz, and he said that his rookie year, when he was knocking, going through a neighborhood, he would say to himself out loud, people make life-changing money in this job. There are deals in my hood. And so like that goes along perfectly with what you're saying of just stop making excuses. Blake, he's he's practicing his pitch. He's going out there. He's experiencing it. It's all about just how bad do you want it, right? Yeah. How bad do you want it? So I, I love that. Well, what's funny is I look at my career and sometimes I think, bro, I feel like I got kind of lucky. Like I feel like God just gave me this gift to sell because sometimes people, I get hit up a lot. Like, dude, what are you doing? How sure. do you do it? And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Like... I'm like, call Jordan Reidolch. <laughs> that kid knows everything about me. I mean, Jordan's probably one of my biggest fans. And sometimes guys around you can understand you better than you understand yourself mm-hmm. and what you've been doing. Um, but now, like over the last couple of months, I've kind of realized, like, um, obviously I've been super blessed with a gift to be able to talk to people and stuff, but I don't think God just blesses people mm-hmm. for nothing. You know, I, I look back, and I think it is my upcoming and I know it is my upcoming, like, I think I'm good at sales because of how much work I put in um, back back in the day, mm-hmm. like when I was 13, you know, knock, knocking on customers' doors, <laughs> telling them, hey, I can mow your lawn, I'll do this, this, and this for you. Um, but then on my mission, too, like, working really, really hard and understanding a language, like, I think that's all just, like, transformed, and then, boom, I came into Viv, and it was the perfect space for me, and it's just, like, I agree. Um, clicked. Um, yeah. Because I don't think anything's given to us, but when we work hard, we're, we're blessed. I love that. And there's a, a phrase that I love. It's my favorite phrase. It says, pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to you. Yep. So obviously faith has played a huge part in 
in our success, right? For sure. Um, for you, how has how is that like directly correlated with your success? How has having faith been a huge part? Yeah. Um, well, I just think having the, the, the guide that we have in life, um, you know, whether you're religious or not, or, you know, whatever motivates you, like, I guess I'd say just trusting the process, mm-hmm. right? Um, trusting that all the work you're putting in, like God's going to deliver on his end, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I put in work, God's God knows that I work or whatever you believe in, you're, you know, the bigger power, like if I'm working hard, I'm going to be blessed for it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way I've kind of looked at it. Um, but kind of like what you said, like I'm going to do my part. And I know if I do my part, um, God will do his part. Right. I if that. it's not a, it's not a, a, a 10 90 relationship or a 60 40 relationship, it's a 50 50. And I think, um, if you're putting in your best effort, God will put in his best effort and help you out. And in, in my opinion, um, and some people may disagree with that, but, it's more like you're doing a hundred percent, yeah. And then um, you're not. A, I, I actually done a hundred percent. I don't expect anything in return. But I think, you know, we live our lives right and do things the the way we're supposed to. That we'll, we'll be we'll be blessed. I love that for sure. I like how you talk about it being a process, and that's kind of what this is all about. It's all about becoming your best self. Yeah. Right. And you can't become your best self without there being difficult times. And so f- for you in your career. I'm sure there's been hard times, right? Sure. Because you can't become a Jaden Howe without going through the ringer a little bit. No, sure. And so in your career, when has there been a time yeah. that, you know, it's been difficult that you wanted to quit, that you didn't um, think you could do it? So it's kind of dumb, but my first day um, on the job, I freaking sold two. And then my second <laughs> day, I sold, I sold three. This uh, guy. But I look back, bro, and it was by the grace of God. Like I, got, I got so lucky. I literally ran into... Now... I think a lot of it was luck. I got put in a good situation, but I also knew how to talk to people. Yeah, you and went I, out knocked. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I put in the effort. Like, I worked 100%. really hard. But um, but then I went on a preseason. Then, so I sold, like, four or five in, in two days. I got oh. there on a Thursday, trained with Elliot, and then sold two on a third, on a Friday and sold three on a Saturday. That's crazy. And then, but then I went out the next preseason, bro, with, like, ten of my buddies, and I was like, oh, I freaking balled out last time. <laughs> I might go ball out and show these guys. Bro, and I just I did like two all week, oh, two dang. or three. Um, just got destroyed over in, in New Mexico. Never want to go back to that place ever again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, so going into my so I then I got out to the summer, started doing like seven, eight a week, and then bumped to nine, and then I started doing like 10, 11, 12 a week. And then there was this one week towards the end of the summer, we moved out to this new city, and I was doing well. And I was, I guess you could consider me one of the leaders in the offices year one. And so Elliot sent me out with all these guys. Day one, sold one. They canceled. Day two, sold them. Realized the tenant wouldn't let it put it in the house, so I, they canceled. Then I sold one more, stuck, and then after that I bageled like two days in a row. So I'm at one, going into a, going into Friday, bagel Friday. And I'm like, oh, and I start crying, bro. I remember bro, calling Elliot. And I was worst. just, I mean, imagine doing like 10, 11, 12 every week, and all of a sudden you're at one, <laughs> going into a Friday, going into a Saturday. Dude, I'm like crying, like struggling. I'm like, I think I got lucky, bro. Like <laughs> these 180 accounts or whatever I've done, that was all luck. Like I think God just took away the talent. Like I'm done. I'm done. For, that's, how, that's how I tell you how I felt. And I think every good sales rep has felt that before. Oh, like, yeah. Last year, I just got lucky. I hope I can do it again this yep. year. And that's not true. Maybe we can get into that later. But So I ended up calling Elliot. You know, he 
great manager sued me like made me feel uh comforted and like hey you're gonna be fine bro like uh he did a phenomenal job and I ended up moving area um cleared my head and um just like you know screw it I've done I did one all week um then I remember just like this sucks like (laughs) oh my gosh and I remember going into that Saturday like I don't even care like I got to meeting at 8, 8.30, whatever it was, ate breakfast in like five minutes and just ran in my neighborhood. I'm like, I'm going. Like, I'm giving myself every chance I can to ball out today. And then I ended up doing five that day. Oh, I love that. I don't know. It was my first five spot ever. <laughs> and turned a one week into six. And it was just a lot better than what it, than what it would have been. That's so, awesome. Um, that and then year two, I I managed an office year two by myself. Like, we got up there for a little bit with Elliot, but we ended up getting too big. We had to split off. And just... New reps, new manager, lots of growing pains. Like almost grew a little too fast, if you, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and just struggled with like, I hope these guys like respect me. I hope that they can get their earn their respect. I hope that what I'm saying is 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 helpful. Um, and I don't know. I struggled. I felt like I wasn't doing the best job I could. I feel like there's better managers out there and that so I honestly felt like sometimes that they deserved a better manager than, my, than myself. And I just snapped out of it and was like, look, like they hurt me. I can either just like sit and feel sorry for them or I can buck up and be a good manager and, and help them and, and guide them and show them the way on how to sell big numbers and snapped out of it and ended up doing, you know, having a really, really good year with, my guys um recruiting's been tough um hasn't been tough but there's been like you know you lose certain recruits or Mm -hmm. you 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 have somebody that you know thought was going to be so good and they ended up just you know bouncing or or being a total letdown it's just it's tough to watch but um i've realized the harder you push and the more guys you bring on and the the more time you give them and the more time you put into them that you will find like really really good reps and that's what we've done. Um, yeah. But it's all about like when adversity hits, it, it's what you're gonna do with the adversity. Are you gonna let it fuel you, or are you going to just sit down and and, and be sorry for yourself? Yeah. And I've realized that sitting down and being sorry for yourself or blaming others or um, just overthinking it isn't gonna do anything. Like talking mm-hmm. doesn't do anything. Actions are what does stuff. Um, just sitting back and feeling sorry for ourselves is not going to do us any good. And life's way too short, like way, way too short just to sit back and be like, poor me, you know, but it's, if we put in actions and just push through it, like it always gets better. Like it always does. And if I, I saw a quote, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to say this right, but, um, in the end it always works out. And if it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end. Oh, I love that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's 100 percent true. Because think about all the hard times in your life, and when something's hit you, and you're like, I'm never gonna like bounce back from this. Like mm-hmm. this is too hard. You've always bounced back. Yep. And things have always been okay. And I and I and I truly believe that. Yeah. As long as you put in actions. Yeah. Right. And as long as you don't let it affect you, and you just move on. Yeah. And that's such a choice, right? 100. That that's such a choice to get knocked down and choose to stand back up, right? There's a lot of people that suffer from what I call the victim mentality. 100%. Right? Like, oh, poor me, you know? Like, I, I, I remember going out, and I sold every day my first week, and then the second week, 
I only sold one bagel the whole week. And I remember just thinking like, I suck at this, right? Like what yeah, you were yeah. talking about, but just, you just have to figure out how to tell yourself, no one feels sorry for me, right? Yeah. Like, no, one, no one does. No one does. <laughs> That's what I've learned too, is like, no one gives a crap if you're out one of the week, Jaden, it's up to you. Like you can go change. You're going to feel bad for yourself yeah. at the end, so it's up to you. Uh-huh. And I love that. You talk about, you know, you, you went out, you had all that pressure on you with, all those guys looking up to you, you were throwing down, and then you bagel, you're only at one on on Friday, and then you go into Saturday, and you had a choice there, right? You had a choice to either be like, oh, you know, Elliot, woe is me, poor, poor, pitiful me, yeah. or you just go out and you throw down. There's a saying, pressure is a privilege. How has that been there in your life? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that question's perfect for my situation because I don't know what it is, bro, but as soon as I came to Vivint, like, I've always wanted to just thrive. Like, mm-hmm. I've always just wanted to go super hard, and it's, like, my element. Like, I love it. I love competing. I love growing teams. I love developing leaders. I love leading. I have always have. Um, and so, like, from day one, I was talking to Todd Peterson, and, oh, I was washing windows <laughs> in St. George, Utah. Um, me and my wife got married and thought it'd be a good, good idea to move away from both our families and just kind of rely on one another. So we moved to St. George and she was working at Fabulous Freddy's car wash Okay. for like seven bucks an hour, bro. Uh, 7.25, whatever, <laughs> eight bucks. Um, and I remember I was like, I better get a job just because, well, with my lawn care business and all that, like I was doing okay Yeah. just because I had to work hard before a mission. But anyways, um, and I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. So she um she's working there and i start washing windows for this guy i'm gonna pay like 16 17 hour which is good yeah <laughs> but i knew his bids like he'd bid someone 400 bucks and i'd go do the whole thing in like four hours and dude i mean washing windows has there's no like there's no overhead like nothing like there's if hmm. you have a truck you're good you have a car you're good all you need is a ladder you know a squeegee <laughs> soap and water and that's it so I go do this, then I like bust out this four hundred dollar job, and I did it like three hours. So I did the math, and I'm like hmm, sixteen times three paid me this, <laughs> bro. He just made like three hundred bucks, and like he made a hundred bucks an hour, and he wasn't even here. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm gonna go start my own freaking company. And I'm not kidding. I told my wife, she's like, No, just you're gonna go do Vivint. Like, hold on, like it's fine. And I only worked for like I only, I only did it like three weeks. I couldn't handle it, bro. It was killing me. But my point is, I'm there. Todd calls me. Um, I was actually going to go to Aptiv, bro. Hmm, I was going to go to Aptiv and sell pest control because I heard it was way better and way easier. Yeah. And only uni- unicorns could sell Vivint. <laughs> One hit wonders. So, get a call from Todd. Anyways, went to sit down with Vivint and it was just like this. Not to even get spiritual. I mean, my heart just told me like, dude, you need to go to Vivint. Like, this is a way better place to be. Uh, I, f- I felt like as far as overrides go and stuff is more ethical. Anyways, um, I c- commit to Vivint. I, I buy in 100%. I switched all – I had eight guys at Aptiv. I switched them all over but one. Hmm. Todd calls me. He's like, hey, um, you need to quit your job washing windows, and you're gonna have a, it's going to be way more profitable if you quit your job and you start recruiting. Um, I'm like, okay. You're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I quit. I was going to anyways. And what I did is I was like, okay, I'm going to just put in as much time as I freaking can into Vivint and to, into recruiting, and I did. Now – Pressure is a privilege where this comes into play is I recruited like 15 guys my first year, 15, 16 guys, all my best friends. And 
so we go out that summer, bro, and I'm like, well, I recruited all them. I better go ball out because I brought them in this situation, and if I go fail and we all fail, then I'm going to look like a failure, and they're going to be like, why did you lead us astray? Yeah. <laughs> so I have all this pressure, like, okay, I got to go ball out. That way, if they fail, I can prove, like, look, I just made this amount of money. I worked really, really hard. I did this. Like, that's not on me. Yeah. And I know they were all looking up to me, and I needed to figure out quickly so that, that way I could lead and manage. Elliot had his, his hands full. We had, they had quite a few guys my first year. So I, I used them as leverage to do better. Like, I leveraged my buddies for success. Like, I, I needed to go do well. That way I could prove to them that it was possible. Because mm-hmm. if I could do it, they were just as talented as I was. I love that. And so now when people hit me up like, hey, what can I be doing to get better for or get ready for the summer? And I'm like, well, how many recruits do you have? Oh, like my, my cousin and my brother. Okay. What I would do if I was you is like figure out how to give yourself a little bit of pressure. Um, get, get yourself a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's so what I did is I tell guys like if you want to be really good at Vivint or in, in sales or if you're active or doing solar or whatever you're doing um, – I would go recruit as many guys as you can because what it's going to do is push you, hmm. right? And I've never, I've never ever let my guys beat me on a week. <laughs> so they motivate me and push me because I don't want to let them win. Yeah. Um, and I always want to be leading from the front. So it's helped hmm. me with my numbers by one because I've had, I mean, I got Blake Barchi on my tail. I got Tyler Wood, Cody Smedley. I got some big hitters on my team. So I'm, I'm pushed every day <laughs> to, to, to perform. Which is awesome because it makes me more money and it makes them more money. And um, I think they respect me more because they know that I'm never going to ask them something that I'm not willing to do. Wow. Right? I, Michael Jordan said that. I Like, you guys, my teammates, Michael Jordan never did anything that – never asked him to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Mm. And I've, t- I've taken that pretty personal. Like, yeah, I'll, I agree. And so what I mean is – and then, you know, becoming a, a top rookie. Well, going into year two after being a top rookie, well, guess what? Everybody and their dogs watching. Yep. Everyone wants to. So much everyone pressure. wants to see everyone go beat you. Yep. Um. You know. So you have a lot on your plate, and going into year year two, you're like, well, I just did 245 accounts. Like, how the frick am I going to do that again? <laughs> like, how am I going to do that? You know. So going into year two, it's like got a lot of pressure on your belt. You know. So you go out, and I go out and have a really really good summer that summer, but I leverage the pressure. Hmm. When I was down in the dumps or had a tough day, it's like, well, Kelton Higgins isn't he's not stopping like he's coming after me and he's actually beating me right now um you know you got uh Caden Ingram you got all these guys I'm like I gotta freaking I gotta buck up because I have all these I got a target on my head yeah you know and then year three same thing well I was a top sophomore (laughs) now I got one dude to beat and one dude only but I also have 3,000 reps 3,500 for those who don't know Vivint is the largest like he said company out there and we got I think 3,500 reps and the best the best are at Vivint I think anyone would agree with that. So now we got 3,500 reps coming after me <laughs> and, and one dude and one dude, to, one dude to beat. And I leveraged that again too. Like I just, I freaking buckled up and went as hard as I could. So again, like putting pressure on yourself was good. Then going into year two, then you got Josh Wade <laughs> coming after me and the whole region's letting me know he's coming after me. So it's like, <laughs> that's pressure, bro. Like I have everything to lose and he has nothing to lose. He's got everything to gain. Um, but no, I think pressure is great. Like I, I would say best thing people can do is, is build a team. Therefore that way they have their buddies that, I mean, I mean, imagine if you recruit a rookie this year, are you going to let him beat you? No, no. And if he's going to, 
if it's getting close, like you're not, not you're not even gonna let it get close, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, that's that's why I think pressure is good, is because not only does it increase the the production in the office, and I'm talking sales and anything, right? Yeah. And anything, but like in basketball, like you know, getting that starting spot, there's pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see some of the best players in the NBA perform better when they're when they're, when they're under pressure. Steph Curry, yeah, Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Um, pre- pressure is a good thing, and if you can't learn to handle pressure, well, guess what? I think that's something you should probably work on is like get okay with being uncomfortable. I love that. That is awesome because there's a lot of people that end up cracking because of the pressure. Yep. That's a scary thing, right? Yeah. Having all that pressure on you. I mean, I feel that too, right? I'm the guy that's supposed to be Jaden Howell, right? And so <laughs> feeling feeling that pressure, I, I'm not even gonna lie to you. The last blitz that we were on, yeah, <laughs> we went into Saturday, right? Tied up. Tied up on it. And I swear to you, driving to area Saturday morning, I thought to myself, if I get in a car crash right now, like that's that's an excuse for yeah, yeah. for why I might not get Jaden Howe, right? I swear I'm alive. That <laughs> thought came to my head of like, oh my heck, like that way I don't feel that pressure, right? Because it's scary. I'm sure no, I'm sure, sure you felt that like fear before, right? I don't know no, I don't sure. know what other I felt word to call Saturday. it fear, right? I felt it on Saturday. <laughs> By the way, I got dethroned uh, <laughs> he, he beat me that way. <laughs> but really... it's scary to put yourself in a situation that you could fail. Oh, right, sure. and I think that's why a lot of people avoid that, it, seeing that you can actually become something or do something great. It's scary to think about well, what happens if I'm not. What happens if I don't do this? Yeah, you know what are what are people going to think of me? What am I going to think of myself? And so that's that's where I think successful people come out of is because you face the pressure with excitement. Right, I'm sure the competition like. You love it. Yeah. You love competing no, with other people. And I love how you, you just talk about purposely putting yourself in a situation, recruiting those guys, putting yourself in a place where you're going to feel that pressure. But also, I feel like knowing you, right, even if you didn't have those recruits, it, you, you had those recruits because of who you are. But let's say, yeah. take that out of it. Let's say you didn't have those recruits. I think the most important thing to you is competing with yourself, right? For sure. And so how has competing with yourself helped you become a better salesman, a better person, a better father, husband. Yeah. Um, you know, they always talk about you versus you and how you shouldn't compare others to yourself. And I agree with that to an extent. I also kind of disagree to an extent mm-hmm. because I've leveraged other people that are doing better than me. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I, I don't hate myself because I'm not like them, mm-hmm. but how can I be more like them? Mm-hmm. How can I... That's powerful. Casey Bob, for an example, like the dude has so much freaking wisdom, so much wisdom. But that didn't just come by being Casey Bob. Like I know that everyone in this room that knows Casey Bob, or that's watching this, knows how much time and effort that dude put into. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the dude paid to go to Harvard yep. to to learn, right? And it's like, um, I haven't done that, so <laughs> I, I don't deserve to to know as much as he does. Like, yeah. I haven't. Bought a bunch of real estate yet, um, not even close to as much as he's bought, or I have done this or that. It's like, but how how can I be more like that, but not be envious, hmm. right? It's okay to be envious too. That. It's okay to be like, hey, like he's he's got what I want. Why don't I just go interview the dude? Like, hey, what did you do to get this point, <laughs> right? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, um, 
so I think it's like important to find people that you want to be like. I have multiple role models. You know, my dad's a big one, Todd Peterson, Casey Bob. But it's like finding people that are good, genuine people that are charismatic, kind, compassionate, that are hard workers, good fathers, that are killing in every aspect of life. And it's like, okay, I don't want to compare myself to them, but I want to be like hmm. them. And I need to do this, this, and this, and this to, in order to be more like that. Yeah. And create my own version of myself. That way, and I, what I do is I motivate myself like, I want to be someone like that. That way, you know, the next younger Josh Wade or Jaden Howell looks at me like how I look at those guys. And hopefully I can make an impact on them to where if, because I mean, I, did I, I, I have a ton of respect for them and I want to be like them. So it's like, I want to be like that. And hopefully one day, kids in their younger 20s will want to mm. be like me yeah and I, and I and i use that i think that's super powerful i think that if you think that way and work hard to be that way i think i think it could happen yeah might not and another thing with like just know that like you're gonna fail yeah like you're going to you're gonna fail like not a lot of people remember kobe bryant's fa- failures or michael jordan's failures or mm. lebron james failures what do you guys remember yeah, the big moments, the big times time they shots. stepped up. Yep, the times they stepped up, hit the hit, hit the big shot. Um, that Caitlin Clark, you heard about her? Oh yeah, on in the women's uh, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they just lost the national championship. However, everything on social media is it's about, about Caitlin her. Clark. This number one basketball player in the nation, top pros or top, you know, just gonna go to the WNBA. Insane. Stroking it from deep. Yeah, and it's like no one remembers the shots that she missed Mm-mm. in that game. You know, so it's like, shoot your shot, I say. And I've always used me versus me as like, okay, I always want to try to double what I do every year. Hmm. And that means I got to put in double the effort. Like the amount of of time I'm at this office this time of year is way more than I was two years ago. Hmm. Um, And but what's cool about that is the better and better you get, the harder and harder you're going to have to work. Yep. because then when you're when you're you know like when you're teaching people your skills and stuff like that they're going to get better too and it's going to just push the competition harder and harder and harder um, I remember me and you sat down and we talked and you picked my brain but the thing is you applied it and now you're on my tail and it's like yeah maybe I shouldn't have gave him all those secret <laughs> questions um, and that's probably not even what it was but uh, no, uh, you, you've been a huge person but, to look up to that's I, for sure well, I appreciate it it just it elevates it so it's like whatever way I can I, can, I always try to increase my competition and, and push myself a little harder um and that's why that's why i love like where i'm at is because there's so many dudes that are just so freaking crazy and want, want to ball out and whether it's on the doors or off the doors there's some dudes that you know aren't even producing as many accounts as me but they're like buying more more real estate than i am <laughs> and they're more strategic or they're better investors than i am and it's like well dang i need to be a if I'm a better producer at Vivint, well, I can. I'm. I, how does he has less capital than I do? How is he doing better at this? How, like, okay, I need to be, you know, humble enough to go ask him. Like, hmm. what are you doing, bro? So, I can do this too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um, love that. I think it's finding, like I said again, finding people that are doing what you want to do and just asking, being humble enough to go in front of them, and be like, hey, like, I'm really impressed with what you're doing. Like, would you would you mind helping me? Yeah, I love that. That's what this is all about. Like whether it's sales, real estate, you know, patience, confidence, yep. no matter what it is, there are people that are incredible at that thing. 
And so being humble enough to just figure out, hey, you know, if they can do it, why can't I do that? So yep. why not me? Why not me? You know, exactly. Jaden Howe can go out and do 500 accounts. Why not me? So honestly, that's everything that I want to talk with Jaden about today. But once again, I'm just super grateful that you're here. You know, you're talking about those kids in their 20s looking up to you. That's why we're doing this interview, right? That's why I want to come talk to you. You know, you're just going out and working. You're putting in the work. You're putting in the effort. You have that confidence. And once again, I just want to repeat that, that phrase that you said, confidence comes with practice and experience. But that's it for Volition's first episode. Thanks for listening. Go out and pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to you. If Jaden Hall can do it, why not me?